Hi, this is Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast. Welcome to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. I used to produce and edit the Google Teacher Podcast, hosted by Matt Miller and Casey Bell. You can enjoy the podcast once again, and be sure to visit the new website, chrisnessy.com slash googleteacherpod. Please note that any of the show note links mentioned in the episodes are no longer valid, but if you go to chrisnessy.com, dot com slash Google Teacher Pod, you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you for your continued support, and may the Googles be with you. Welcome to the Google Teacher Tribe Podcast. Your source for the latest news on Google for education, tips, tricks, and teaching ideas you can use in class tomorrow. And here are your hosts, Matt Miller from DitchThatTextbook.com and Casey Bell from ShakeUpLearning.com. tribe. So I got to tell you, one of the most fun things for Casey and I, now that we've started doing this podcast, is getting to connect with you guys like face to face in in person. And sometimes we go someplace and and we get to talk to people who listen to the, the podcast. And it's really interesting to see the things that they remember from certain episodes. It's like they, they pull little, little details out that I'd kind of forgotten about that they remembered. And we just recently had one of those moments that, that totally made me in Casey's day. And that safe to say, Casey. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was hilarious. Yeah. Okay. So what happened was we had, um, Jeremy Badner from Michigan, um, was part of our Google teacher Academy class. And, um, so we, I think we mentioned, wasn't it just like off the top of our heads or in the outtakes or something, something about camping out in front of Google and how we'd probably get in trouble for doing that. Didn't we say something like that? I think so. Yeah. So anyway, the day that that episode comes out, what happens? We get a tweet from Jeremy and it's this picture of like the Googleplex. And then he has drawn in two little figures and a campfire and put our heads, like pictures of us, our heads onto these little <laughs> figures right out on the lawn of Google. So we are like roasting marshmallows, I think, right out here on a little campfire, right out in front of Google. It's... Hilarious. I can't stop laughing. Sorry. Yeah, it, it, Jeremy, thank you. You made a made our day. Um, yes, yes, we would. We would probably camp out uh, at Google if they would let us. It, it would be super fun, and we would be super excited to do it. Yes. But um, this yes. image and and the um, the creativity that you put into this, dude, was just hilarious. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's awesome. So we've taken the picture and we've put it into the show notes. So if you want to see what it would look like if Casey and I camped out on the the lawn at Google, then go check that out. So yes. Yeah. Good stuff. So speaking of the show notes on our episode today, what do we got, Casey? 
Oh, we've got a few things we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about storytelling with G Suite tools. Around so, the campfire. Uh, yeah. Hey, that is appropriate. <laughs> maybe maybe next week we're going to have some new images with uh, the storytelling now around the campfire. Right. But yeah. We are going to talk about some of our favorite ways to use the Google tools to tell those stories. We've got, of course, some news and updates, actually some pretty exciting stuff um, mm-hmm. from Google I.O. to share with you, uh, some interesting feedback and questions from our listeners and of course a couple of things that are on the blogs you ready to do this matt yes let's fire up that campfire and get going all right Okay, Tribe, Google has given us a lot of information and a lot of content for today's news and updates section. So from the Google I.O. conference, we got some really exciting announcements. Matt, what is one of your favorite announcements? Well, you know, I've got this Google Home and on my phone, I've got the Google Assistant. And so I'm kind of becoming more and more enamored with talking to my phone and and having it work for me. And so they've released a whole bunch of new, um, a whole bunch of new features to Google Assistant. And so some of the things that you can do, like with my Google Home that I have sitting in my office, I can actually have it make phone calls for me. I can connect it by Bluetooth to different devices um, they're working on something where you can actually type to interact with your your uh, Google Home and your Google Assistant. And it's even working on something where you can bring up, it'll bring up proactive notifications, like it'll tell you things without you asking it that it thinks that, that you need to know. And so, I mean, aside from just all of the cool stuff that, that this is and all of the, the ways that it can be helpful in your life, this makes me think of kind of a bigger question of, you know, Google Assistant, Google Home, having that kind of like artificial intelligence available at your fingertips. I wonder how that's going to play into schools. Like, are we going to have a Google Home sitting in the classroom? I'd be curious to see if um, any of the tribers out there have a Google Home and use it in the in the classroom. I don't know. Do you you have any thoughts on that? That's a great question. Actually, on... um I think it was on my 17 things to learn in 2017. I had sort of the idea of what if you could use uh, the Amazon Echo to take attendance in your classroom and just say, Alexa, take attendance. You know, I was like, I I don't think we're that far from devices being able to give us some uses in Mm -hmm. the classroom. I've had some conversations with some teachers and it's, you know, it's definitely not designed for that. It's designed for personal use at this point. Mm -hmm. But um, I think we will eventually get some crossover. And I just wanted to note, too, the Google Assistant is actually a mobile app. So you don't have to have Google Home to access this In fact, I have it on my iOS device, so you don't even have to be Android. If you're curious and you want to check it out, um, just sort of that assistant. And y'all have heard I, I don't I don't get along well with Siri, so I'm, I'm going to see if I can get along with the Google Assistant here. <laughs> I was going to say, does this make Siri jealous? <laughs> I don't know. Siri said something about when the crow flies today, so who knows? <laughs> wow. Okay. That's crazy. So... But yeah, I think I'm, I'm curious to see where this all takes off. Just, you know, artificial intelligence in general and how it plays into the classroom. So that's, that's one thing from IO that, that definitely caught my attention. 
Okay. The next thing on the list is what what really got me excited was the announcement that we're going to have augmented reality as a part of Google Expeditions. So I I was so excited. I did a blog post like on the spot. I was just really blown away at what this is going to bring to the classroom. So um, there is a link in our show notes, googleteachertribe.com forward slash 19. And you can take a look at the YouTube video that demonstrates students using this in the classroom. We can see volcanoes come to life. We can see DNA floating in the classroom. We can do all kinds of interesting things with augmented reality. But when Google attaches their name to it, you know, we're going to take it to a new level. So I'm really excited. Some might say super excited. Yes. I knew that was coming. Uh, to see where this is going. But the thing is, they are rolling this out just like they did Google Expeditions. So um, on my blog and on their website is a link to a Google form where you can sign up to be part of the AR Pioneer program. And so they're going around the country and bringing this to school. So if you want to be an early adopter and get your hands on this, um, go check out the post go um, fill out the form and have them come to your school. This seems like such a natural progression, too. I mean, when we had expeditions, um, being able to do virtual reality and now doing augmented reality where we're laying things over what we can already see in the classroom. And I mean, it it it, it just evokes uh, images for me of uh, of Star Wars and of um, you know Princess Leia saying Obi Wan Kenobi you're my your only hope you know <laughs> but I mean being able to to lay that over real life it, it it just shows how far we're coming and and it it seems like the the cool learning experiences we can get out of this are just pretty amazing yeah I'm sure it will be a topic on a future episode. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so that one's cool. Now, there's a little one that that caught my eye also, and that was the smart reply to Gmail. So, Casey and I have been using um, Inbox by Google to do our email for a while now, and Smart Reply is something that we've had available to us. And basically, what it does is Smart Reply opens up whenever you open up a message, and instead of clicking reply and typing your your response. It gives you a couple of suggested replies. So it thinks, okay, what what would be a, a potential thing that they might want to answer with to this email? And then you can just click that button and hit send and you can be done without having to type it. And Casey, you and I were talking about this a little bit and I haven't used Smart Reply very much. I don't know. I, I guess I, I like to customize the stuff that I say too much or something, but but you've used it a little bit, haven't you? I have, especially for those those sort of standard things that we say all the time, you know, thank you or um, what was, what's the thanks for doing this? Yes, I can be there. Even the automatic replies to like calendar invites and things like that, you'll, you know, sort of uh, picking up. It's that it's that smart reply, that that piece that is trying to figure out what your answer might be. And I, it does come in handy, especially for those things that don't require a lengthy response. People you communicate with a lot that you don't necessarily have to, you know, provide a lengthy response to. Mm-hmm. And I'm all about saving time because my inbox just gets out of hand so quickly. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. The more and more I learn about storytelling, the more I start to realize 
how applicable it is in all different parts of education. And, you know, you, you could even go back into history and, you know, way, way back, this was how we passed down information from generation to generation was through storytelling. And I really believe that our brains are wired for it. Whenever someone starts to tell us a story instantly, you know, most of the time we just perk up and pay attention. And so I think this is one of those great tools that we can use in the classroom to be able to pull kids in and also to be able to to help our, our learning be sticky. And thankfully with G Suite, we've got all of these great tools and all of these great options that can make this storytelling storytell Woo <laughs> All of these options, geez, I'm gonna try that again. That can make storytelling really come alive. And this goes, I really think, through all different kinds of, of classes and um you, know, you, you could even have storytelling in math. You've obviously got problem, uh, story problems, um, but it goes into history. And I mean, the sky's the limit, I think, with it. And so one of my favorite things to do with Google tools and G Suite and all of that is to find these creative sort of unintuitive uses of them for the classroom. And I think several of them really give us, wouldn't you say, Casey, a, a really good opportunity to pull storytelling into the classroom. Absolutely. And, you know, the whole digital storytelling, I feel like that was a hot topic several years ago and uh, mm -hmm. something I used to present a lot on. And the options now are just so much more vast and easy and web based that um, it's sort of a no brainer, I think. And like you said, it's cross curricular. You can tell a story in any shape or form across any subject area, tell, retell, invent, um, get creative. And I think it just taps into so many of the four C's and so many other of those really important skills. And it's a lot of fun. So I, I think we probably could uh, go on and on with these, this list of tools and, and the ways that we could use these, but we're going to try to keep it short today. So Matt, what is one of your favorite ways to tell a story with G Suite? Oh, I've got to, I've got to start out with my absolute favorite one. And that has to do with a way you can use Google Drawings. And I know we've touched on Google Drawings some in the past. If you're not super familiar with it, it's kind of like a digital poster board or a digital sheet of paper um, that lets you create images. And one of the neat things about Google Drawings is that you can add images like pictures through a variety of ways. And one of those is by taking pictures on your webcam. And so I've seen this and actually I've got to give a, a shout out, shout out to Mike Petty, um, up in Michigan because he was, he was one of the first ones that I saw doing this. And I just love telling people about it and then taking lots of different sort of spinoffs of this idea. But he would have students take pictures with their webcams and then turn them into kind of like comics or comic strips. So one of my favorite ways to do this is just to have a Google drawing and then take four different pictures, you know, just through the webcam. And, you know, of course, the, the kids love to, to be able to take selfies with with cameras. That's kind of their first probably impulse. But if we can show them that we can use those webcams and we can step away from them and then actually kind of like pose for a scene and act things out. If we do that a number of times and put those pictures onto the drawing, the other nice thing about that is that you can use the shapes in Google Drawings, and under the callouts, there are speech bubbles and thought bubbles. 
And so now we can take those and lay those on the top of the pictures of our students and we can turn we can basically turn it into a comic strip. And then, of course, you can also spin off of that and pull in Bitmojis if you have access to those. Um, you can pull in some of the, the photos, the fair use photos that you can do through a, an image search in uh, Google Drawings. Stick those in there. There's, there's lots of ways to remix this, but it's a, it is one really cool storytelling medium that I think we can use. I have to tell a story about using comic strips in my classroom because that was really an eye-opening experience for me as a teacher. So this was this was years ago, but there was a read-write-think tool. It may still be around. um, That was it was very simplistic, but you could easily create a a little uh, comic strip. And so I had my students retell the telltale heart. <laughs> Edgar, oh, yeah. Edgar Allan Poe in a mm-hmm. comic strip. Okay. So, yeah, I was already pushing the bounds a little bit there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but what was interesting is because it was so limited in what you what it actually had in terms of characters, you could only use the ones they had there that um, the students had to get a little more creative with it. So so sometimes I think there is power in limiting as well as opening things up. But um, most of them chose this like dinosaur to be the old man. And <laughs> it, and they and so they turned this deep, dark story into a comedy. And so it, it just created all these teachable moments. And so, you know, I think storytelling just can really open up some some interesting conversations and ways to talk about. Um, obviously, I was a ELA teacher, but um, I think it just can can shift um, possibilities of what you think it can do in the classroom. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me of that YouTube video of like the dark twist on Mary Poppins. Have you seen that? <laughs> Uh oh. No. That's, no. Oh, that's that's what that made me think of where they like change the 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 music and I mean this this goes to storytelling too, how how much music and other influences can can really change how the story feels and yeah, they turned it into like a, a horror movie instead of instead of a kid's family movie. So Oh that's anyway. great. I've got yeah, to look that up. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, you're gonna have to check that out. So so anyway, that's one that I, I absolutely love. Okay, sorry. I'm getting us off topic. I am going to share one of my favorites, which is called Doc's Story Builder. And so Doc's Story Builder is just this little web app. But what it does is actually amazing. It mimics the collaboration inside a Google document and turns it into a video. So... When uh, when you click on the Get Started button, basically you set up your characters, and each character gets the little cursor, the little flashing cursor that shows your name like you see in Google Docs. And so you create all of those, those names and those uh, cursors there, and you can tell all kinds of stories. Now, you have probably seen some Google commercials that mimic this idea. Um, I remember several a few years ago that were that were pretty hilarious. The Hall and Oates one, um, t- like as they were writing the the song, uh, what was the name of that song? She's a man eater uh, was one that was popular. So as you input the names of your characters, then you get to decide who types what. 
who deletes what, who rewrites what. And so it's really sort of showing a collaboration and process, which can tell a story in a whole new way. Uh, I have a fabulous example that I have linked in the show notes. And I just love this because it's a science example, which a lot of people don't automatically think of how to use this in science, but it tells the story of the atom. And so what they did was they actually created characters and um, in the character name, they have all of the the major voices who decided or not decided who discovered um, the atom and, and defined it. And so it goes all the way back. And what they also included was the year with the with the last name. And so as it tells the story of the atom, you see how the definition evolved over time and who had input in that change. And so I think it's a very powerful way to sort of tell that as students are learning about the atom and learning about the scientists who who helped discover it and define it. Yeah, I, I love this tool. This is so much fun. I think it's great for uh, dialogue. The example you, you gave wasn't exactly a dialogue example, but I think that's kind of what it was made for. But this one, this story of an atom that you have, I think this goes to show the power of being able to go in and delete because it shows one person writing something and then it shows somebody else going in and deleting and changing it. And I mean, it's just a really cool... Um, you know, just just a whole other dimension that that you add to storytelling. So yeah, Doc Story Builder that is that's one of my favorites too. So, all right, another one I want to get to real quick is a very very versatile Chrome extension that you can use. And I was I was telling Casey earlier, I kind of feel like I always default back to this one because there's so much you can do with it, and that is Screencastify. So Screencastify lets you turn your uh, computer or Chromebook into basically a camera that records either through your camera or through records your screen. And so being able to do that, I mean, just, just the simple idea of recording things gives you a great opportunity to do storytelling and the cool creative things that kids can do a screencastify kind of goes on and on. I mean, um, you can tell stories through the lens of a news reporter by turning on your, um, turning on your webcam and having students report the news, or you can tell it through the, um, you know, like the, um, the, animation, kind of like the stop motion Google Slides animation that we talked about in the last episode, you know, turning on your your camera and recording that. And then once you've got all of this video recorded, there there are ways that you can kind of splice them together. And so, um, and the, of course, the best thing I think about Screencastify is once you're done, you have the ability to share whatever it is that you just created by creating a sharing link, either through YouTube or through Google Drive. So um, Screencastify, I mean, there's there's so much that you can do with it. Yeah, it's like a little Swiss army knife that that you can yeah, use yeah. in so many different ways. I love it. Great ideas. Uh, yeah. I have one more tool that I want to share with you, and it is Google Earth Tour Builder. Now, um, I just want to say this ahead of time because this tool has been around longer than the new Google Earth. So uh, just keep that in mind. It is still technically in beta. I'm hoping that's because they're going to integrate it into the new Google Earth. Oh, High hopes. Nice. I don't know that definitively. But um, so so just FYI, this is working off of, of the older version of Google Earth. But what it does is so powerful. So it allows you to tell a story 
inside Google Earth. And when you think about that, there are so many settings for stories, whether those are real, historical, fictional, etc. And I when I show this, I have a I have a great example from David Lee and he explains it so well and shows this example of creating a story, actually telling the story of Lewis and Clark. And showing where they go um, and the places that, that they have, um, you know, marked and discovered and things like that. And you can also include not only text, uh, images, YouTube videos, and it's it's like this little built in story. So uh, and, and I will say it's very similar to the things that we're seeing in the new Google Earth. That's that's why I'm sort of crossing my fingers back here that I'm not giving you a tool that's going away, but that hopefully <laughs> is going to be available in a new way. But um, even in general, when you think about the power of Google Earth and how many things that you can do with it, again, I feel like this is very cross curricular because there's a setting for everything or there's a setting to discover or there is, you know, something new that we should explore. And so to be able to tell that in a story on a map and what they call it is tour builder, put your story on the map is just a really interesting way. Um, and again, sort of a, a different way of telling a story instead of just like pointing or taking a picture, you're actually traveling around the globe. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that you mentioned that I really love about Tour Builder is that you can add text, you can add pictures. So it's almost like, and this of course makes me think of My Maps, which is similar, only not quite as interactive as Tour Builder. That's one thing that Tour Builder has over My Maps. But it, it gives you the ability to add all of this information to these pins. And so now it really is more like a tour instead of a whole bunch of pins on a map. And so you can walk through and see all of these different stops, you can see them on the map, but then you can also see any of the information and photos that are shared too. So I just think this is a really neat multimedia way, especially if it, it revolves around lots of locations or even if it's kind of like a timeline, it's chronological. This is such a great way to set that up. So I'm, I'm really glad that you mentioned that. And so all of these things, these are, this is just sort of scratching the surface with uh, things we can do with storytelling and G Suite. Um, you know, we we could we we've got other things that we could go on and on with, but I think those are some of our favorites. And you can find links to everything that we were talking about in our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash nineteen. Okay, y'all. It is Google Teacher Tribe mailbag time, and we have a very interesting uh, share from Aaron Kinney in South Carolina, and he sent us an email. This is what he said. You've got mail. I'm enjoying the podcast. In episode five, a listener had a question about how to remove students from accessing certain files he shared with them. Y'all both offered great tips, and thank you, Aaron, for using the word y'all. I appreciate that. I just wanted to offer a free solution at whohasaccess.com that scans your drive, shows who has access to what files, and with one button push, you can revoke access to all your files you've shared with that person. I use this for removing access to Google Drive files from departing employees. So uh, Matt and I hadn't heard of this, and so Matt was the guinea pig. And, mm -hmm. and so Matt, tell us exactly what happened when you tried this. 
Well, I went to whohasaccess.com and I logged in with my Google account and it took it a while because I've got a whole bunch of stuff in my in my Google Drive. But it scanned through all of my stuff and it gave me my Who Has Access report. And here's what it says, that I have 446 folders, 17,000 files, and they are shared with 3,009 people, 53 domains and 106 groups. And then it lists them all for me. And so I got to scrolling down through these. And of course there's, you know, 3000 of them. And so I went and looked for a certain person by the name of Casey. We're going to call her Casey Uh, Bell. Right. Yeah. I'm going to see what, what was shared. And so when I click on her name, it says that she has access to three folders and 30 files in my Google drive and it lists all of them. And so with each one, I can click on a little, um, information button next to it uh, so that I can go in and revoke access to individual files. Or there's even a button at the bottom of that that pane that says revoke Casey's access. Oh, you should totally do that. I was tempted to click that little red button, but I've decided not to. So, um, but it does make it really easy. Like you said, if, if you've got a, a staff member departing to be able to take the access away immediately. And then there's also a little button below that that says contact Casey. So that would allow me to send her an email real quickly. And then at the <laughs> very, very bottom of the page, there's even a button that says delete my who has access report data. So if you're worried about privacy and security and all of that, you can delete that report immediately. And then the site even says that any data that they've collected, they delete it within 24 hours. So it doesn't stay on their their servers. So pretty, pretty useful tool that I had never, ever heard about. That is very interesting. Yeah, I, I'm curious. And if anyone else has, has used it, please share your thoughts and and what your processes are for sort of controlling that in your schools. Now we have another, uh, actually, this is sort of a a suggestion or or something I didn't know about as well. And this comes from JP Presavento. And actually, I have connected with JP several times. I have no idea if I just pronounced his last name correctly. Did I? I hope so. Uh, it okay. sounds I'm guess- good to I'm me. Guessing. So. <laughs> I'm guessing, JP, I'm sorry if, if I said it incorrectly, but um, JP is in St. Louis and he gave us a speak pipe, uh, a little voice message that you can leave on our website, just FYI. And so, uh, JP, take it away. Hi, Matt and Casey. This is JP Presvento from St. Louis, Missouri. I just finished listening to episode 17 of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast and was hashtag super excited to hear Matt share the power of automatic substitution in Google Docs. When I talk to teachers about automatic substitution, I also encourage them to include reteaching into their substitutions. Teachers can do this by finding a YouTube video or another resource that reteaches the concept students struggled with and creating a custom short link to that resource using the Bitly Chrome extension. Then, simply add the short link into that text that is automatically substituted, and voila, you have automatic substitution with built-in reteaching. The only thing is that automatic substitution seems to only like lowercase letters and links, so make sure when you make that custom short link, all the letters are lowercase. Keep up the great work on the podcast. Very good. Thank you, JP, for that. And yeah, that that's kind of playing off of that automatic substitution tip that that I gave uh, here just recently, which which is kind of a cool thing for being able to 
you know, to be able to to write out things that you commonly write to students by just just typing a couple of characters and um, really love his idea for for adding in video links. And so I think he called that that reteaching where if you if you want to leave a student a comment, but you don't want to type the whole thing out, you just put it into this automatic substitution. And if you copy a short link to that to a like a YouTube video that explains it, then automatically that's embedded into that comment too, which I really like. And that's that's one really good way for for providing student feedback in that way, I think. That is awesome. I love that. And it really just sort of sparked a, a, another idea. I had sort of forgotten about Kaizena. And I don't know how many of you are familiar with Kaizena. It is an add-on for Google Docs. There's also an extension. But what it allows you to do is actually to leave voice comments inside Google Docs. So not just the text, but you can leave voice like little voice messages and there'll be a link to it inside the little comment bubble. But the other thing is it allows you to create links to resources. So sort of what JP was talking about. And, you know, so if they had a comma splice, you could create that link in that resource and add that into Google Docs. So um, I don't I don't know if that's just, you know, that's just another alternative in there. But Kaizena is definitely something to check out if you haven't looked at it. It's spelled K-A-I-Z-E-N-A. And we will put a link to it in the show notes for you. Yeah, that's and that's one that I have to say I I started playing with it a little bit um, years ago and it has really undergone a just a, a huge facelift and is much more reliable than it was before. So if you haven't checked out Kaizena, maybe now's the time to do that. All right, so it's time to go on the blogs and. Casey, you've got kind of like an an epic blog post with like a big, cool resource to share with people today, right? Yes. Well, I have something that I hope it, everyone finds useful. So with, with Google Drive and G Suite in general, we have this amazing ability to share and collaborate. But especially when you're in your G Suite for Education account, all of the different intricacies of sharing can get really complicated. And especially when I'm training new users, like I have struggled with how to explain this. And so I have, over the years, I developed this, this sort of guide to Google Drive sharing and I decided to update it. And so it has turned into a uh, 15 page PDF <laughs> that you can get for free um, on my blog. But I, I just want to tell you what is in here because you're like, you may already be like, Oh yeah, I understand everything about sharing. Well, f- first of all, um, I go through the basics and then I go into the advanced sharing and talk talking about all uh, all of those different levels, which I break it into six different levels from private all the way up to public. And so just sort of trying to help people wrap their head around all of those different things and reasons to use each of those. So then I will go through the three steps of, of sharing and all of those levels, as well as explaining what they can do and choosing the types of rights, the viewers, the commenters, the editors. And then at the end, I also talk about how to restrict rights, change owners, 
set expiration dates and the limits that you have on sharing. So so there is some advanced stuff in there. It definitely starts out basic. But uh, one thing I want to say is is that this is, is a free download on my site. I do have copyright on it, but feel free to share this internally. Um, I, I'm not trying to keep this from people. I want this to be of use. So if you want to share this with your teachers, um, please feel free to do that. Or if you, you know, I know a lot of teachers still like to print. And if you want to print this, you have my permission to share this. It is just a resource to help. Um, that is that is my intention. I am using this in my own training and I just wanted to make it available to you. So um, it is something just as a teacher myself that I've struggled with how to explain and I just wanted to create a resource that was available for, for people to help them understand that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's, that's something that I always feel like I'm learning new little intricacies of, of Google drive sharing. So I think that's definitely a resource to check out. So now, um, I got to write a guest post on Alice Keeler's blog. So if you, you could go to alicekeeler.com or of course we've got a link in the show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 19. And I wrote a post on her blog recently called Get Back to Teaching and Learning or uh, Five Ways to Get Back to Solid Teaching and Learning, kind of the, the same idea there. And so I talked a little bit about how so often I go to schools and school districts and conferences and we get so focused on our technology and the tools and what they can do that sometimes we've missed out a little bit on the pedagogy and the craft of teaching and learning. Something that I suggest is that instead of thinking about technology and then what can we do with it, let's think about solid learning solid teaching and learning and how can technology support it. And I just happened to be putting on a conference. I've never done this before. This is kind of a new thing for me. Uh, it's going to be called Ditch That Conference. And it's going to be held in Indiana in September. We've got all the details. Um, actually, you can find them at ditchthatconference.com. But you can also attend virtually. I'm going to have um, all of the videos of the sessions available on a site that you can access if you get a virtual ticket to it. What? But that's basically I know, right? Isn't that, that amazing? Is cool. Yeah, I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have this cool event and you can you can show up and and be there virtually. And so, um anyway, that's that's kind of the focus of this conference and it's just led me to think even more about how can we get back to the basics, that foundational stuff about good teaching and learning and then let technology support that instead of getting the the focus in the wrong place. So, that's Absolutely. that's kind of the yeah, that's the idea there. No, I totally agree. And I think even though both of us share so much of, of just little tips and tricks and, and we do want to make teachers lives easier. And I think that it's, it's a hard job to be a teacher. And, you know, we just want to support you in every way that we can. So mark your calendars for September 8th. That is the ditch that conference. And mm -hmm. I know I will be marking that on my calendar as well. And it seems, um, we've already mentioned Alice once, um, seems like we need to mention her again so yeah, yeah uh, we, why can't, not? we can't make it through an episode without talking about our, our friend alice keeler so i am teaming up with alice to do a google classroom conference in texas it is Ooh. yeah it's yeah. called don't mess with google classroom so we will be putting together a, an entire day of google classroom related sessions so alice will do an opening keynote i'm going to do a closing 
keynote and we have a call for presentations that is open. So this will be in Richardson, Texas, which is about 15 miles north of Dallas. So in the DFW area, um, come to Texas. It's really, it's pretty nice in October. So we are doing this on October 7th, uh, sorry, 21st, not the 17th. October 21st. Yes. <laughs> October 21st, 2017. Don't come on the 17th. Don't come yeah. on the 17th. <laughs> oh man, it's been one of those days. So it, anyway, um, we've got the link in the show notes. We have a call for presenters and guess what? If you get accepted as a presenter, you get in free. So um, come see us in Texas. We promise it will not disappoint. Don't mess with Google Classroom. All right, folks, I think that puts a bow on episode 19, and Casey and I have a little bit of news about that. We're going to do one more episode. We'll we'll have an episode 20 come out next week, and then after that, it is time for a little bit of summer break, right? Yes. Well, I, I don't think I would call it a break for you and I. Right. Anyway. <laughs> that is a good point. That is a good point. So, so Matt and I have decided to do this a little bit more seasonally. We realize that um, obviously the school year has a lot to do with with what you're you're paying attention to. But we are also out on the road for most of the summer. So you will catch us in person at lots of conferences. We will be at ISTE. In fact, we are presenting together at ISTE. Mm-hmm. On mm-hmm. Google Classroom. So, um, but we hope to catch you face to face in between and connect with you through um, Twitter and the GT Tribe hashtag. But we will come back in the fall with our second season of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Yeah, that's right. We'll be brainstorming new ideas and coming up with all sorts of good things over the summer that we can share with you. So don't go anywhere. Soon as the fall comes back around, we will be right back. And I think that does it for today's episode. So we will catch you on the next one. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting googleteachertribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power, and may the Googles be with you. Well, I was trying. I was trying to get into your line of thinking, and I'm like, I know, I know. I'm trying to. Okay, okay. I'm trying. I'm trying not to mess you up. So that's okay. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> I'm looking at the at what it says on there, and I'm like, play that. I'm thinking funky music. <laughs> play that. Yeah. <laughs> play that funky music. Why? Yeah. Oh exactly. Lord! Now there's some outtakes. All right. <laughs> yes, exactly. We've been a little dry on them recently, so. And yeah. we'll make up for it today. Yeah. Are you sure it was just coffee that you had in your coffee today? Uh, I don't know what Starbucks put in there. Sorry. I'm, yeah. It's been a rough week already. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay. All right. So we'll we'll talk about this instead. Okay. Because my other thing just was not working. It was not working. So. Sorry, Chris. There you go. All right. Oh, I I literally ha- was crying. I, I was trying. Yeah. 
I don't know if you've ever heard me when I laugh hysterically. It's really annoying and it gets really <laughs> loud and squeaky. And I was trying not to do that. Like, not to squeak. I, yeah, I squeak and then I can't breathe. And then it just gets yeah. worse and worse because other people just can't believe that that noise is coming out of me. So I was, <laughs> I was trying really hard not to do that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's great. Oh, man. Okay. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I get... Uh... The Google Teacher Tribe podcast is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. The Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators. Podcasts by educators. For more great education podcasts, go to edupodcastnetwork.com. Thank you once again for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. For the latest on Matt Miller, be sure to visit his website, ditchthattextbook.com. For the latest on Casey Bell, be sure to visit her website, shakeuplearning.com. And to keep up with me and get the latest in education technology, be sure to visit my website, chrisnessy.com. And I invite you to listen to the House of EdTech podcast.